Today's daf is daf Chavches Kayach. We are holding at the bottom of Chavzayin Amud Beis, and we are in the middle of a machlokus. Right? What was the machlokus over here? So we had a an argument whether it is permissible for a person to act in a vigilante manner, something extrajudiciously, extra meaning that instead of going to Beistin, he takes the law into his own hands. So what was the machlokus? We said we had, Rabbi Yehuda said, Lo avid inish dinadanafsheh, that Rabbi Yehuda holds, you're not allowed to take the law into your own hands. Uh, and uh, Rabbi Nachman said, avid inish dinadanafsheh, that your person is allowed to take the law into his own hands, means that you become almost... If you're doing, if it's the right thing, you become deputized and you have a right to do it as a, a function of based in. Now, the Gemara concluded at the end of yesterday's daf is that even there is, though there is this machlokas, that is only talking about a situation, the lake of Seda, where there's no loss involved without you, uh, if, if you don't act. But if there is a loss involved, meaning that if you don't do it, um, uh, immediately, you don't act immediately, so then, and then there'll end up being a loss that could not be recouped in based in. So then you have a right, even according to Rabbi Yehuda, who said that Lo Avid you have a right to uh, act uh, in, in such a manner, you will be deputized, and you can therefore, you Avid because we don't expect you to lose by not doing it. Uh, as uh, 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 Im- uh, not acting immediately, we don't expect you to take a loss. That's the way we concluded yesterday. Now the Gemara is going to ask questions back and forth on the different opinions. So we're starting right now, Masiv Rav Kahana. I believe that's where we're up to. So it's four lines from the bottom of Chavzayin Ahmed Beis. So Masiv Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana had the following question uh, 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 and he's going to be asked on the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda that Lod Dan Lo Avid Inish Dinah Dinavshe. So it says like this: Ben Bagbag Oimer, Ben Bagbag said, "Al Takanis Lachatzah Chaverch Valito Alshelcha Shelo Bereshus." That a person should not surreptitiously enter into your his neighbor or his friend's field, even if it's to get that which belongs to him. Shalom Shalom without permission. Because you already are starting off in in a in a uh, a, a, a lower position because you look like a thief. So don't enter in that he can claim that you're a thief. But Ella what you have a right to do is Shbarat Shina, which literally means break his teeth. Say is I am confront him and say I am taking that which is mine. Now, as Tosis points out over here, that lechora we're talking about a situation where there is no pseida. You could go to Beistin and get it, but this uh, makes it easier. You don't have to schlep to Beistin, and therefore, what has been Bagbag saying? He's saying yes. Don't go in in a way that's going to make you look like a ganav, but to confront him and take it, you have a right to do. Literally, break his teeth and take it. So therefore, what do you see? That Avid Inish Dina Denavshe, even Lechora, where it's like Absedas, right? So, so this is a Kasha on Rabbi Yehuda. So Amar Lei, so the Gemara says Rabbi Yehuda said that to Rabbi Kahana, Imach, Imach, right? Tash means that to Imach means, is this with you? Meaning, do you think this supports your position against mine? 
You bring me a question from Ben Bagbag. Ben Bagbag is a Das Yochid. That's his own opinion. He's a dissenting opinion. Ben Bagbag, Yechidohu. That's a dissenting opinion. That's an individual opinion. The Chachamim Grada argue with him. And therefore, you can't ask me a Kash of Ben Bagbag because the Chachamim would hold like me, that since there's no Pseida involved, you don't have a right to go ahead and do it. And therefore, you can't ask me a kash from there. Rabbi Yanai Amar, Rabbi Yanai wants to give a different answer. He says, Ma, Shivores, Shinov, what does it mean to break his teeth, smash his teeth? That's really not talking about literally. It's a figurative expression. It means break his teeth, but then, means break his teeth and baste it. That's what it's telling him. I mean, so Bagbag then would actually be supporting, again, what Rabbi Yehuda is saying is, don't sneak in and try to take it yourself. Rather, break his teeth, smash him and baste it. That's what it means. But you don't have a right to go yourself. There's no pseudo, and therefore it actually supports the sheet of Rav Yehuda. So the one has a problem with this answer that is offered by Rav Yana. Iachi. So, right. Then if so, let's, let's follow through the wording. The wording says, is smash his teeth. But the Pazik says, for Amar lo and tell him. Now, if you're going to baste it, it's not you telling the person who has your item, it's you go to Beistin and have him summit in front of Beistin, and they're the ones that should be the Omrim Lomibai, not Emor Lo, and they will say to him, and not that Shaliani Noto, and not that I am taking my own, because again, they're speaking. What they should be saying is that no, you have to go and let him take his item. Shalonatel, he's taking that which is his. So the wording does not fit so well if it's talking about embased in. It's much better for some other person doing it himself. So therefore, Shalonatel me boiler, that's the way it should have been worded. Where's this Kasha? You're right, the wording according to the answer given by Rabbianai is not so smooth, and therefore it's interesting. It's not a Tayufta necessarily, but it is a. Uh, we're saying it as, as, as a, a difficulty. We have a problem. As the expression goes, we'll figure it out and answer somewhere down the line. Okay. Tashimah. Let's continue uh, trying to bring rayas one way or the other. And now the one's trying to bring a raya for Rav Nachman that even uh, uh, where... Uh, where there's no pseida, means you could recoup whatever you need from based in, we still allow you to do dinner and dinner. So that's Rav Nachman. Sheikh, the one wants to support Rav Nachman, actually would be a kasha on Rav Yehuda. Shor We have a situation of that. Ruvain's ox has climbed on top of Shimon's ox and is uh, goring him, is, is in the midst of, of, of destroying Shimon's ox. Right? And with intent, lahorgo, with intent to kill him. Shimon comes along, and he schleps his ox, which is under the ox of Ruvain. He was able to extricate it, to pull it out, and in the act of pulling it out, Nafal Elyon, the ox on top, Ruvain's ox fell over backwards, Vames broke its neck and died. So he's saving his own ox, but in the midst of saving his own ox, he caused the upper ox, the ox of Ruvain, to die. Potur says the Brisa is that Ruvain cannot hold Shimon liable for such an act. Now, let's understand this. The Gemara assumes right now we're dealing with a Muad. It's a goring situation. We'd assume that it's a Muad. So let's say we're talking about a Muad. So now, if it is a Muad, Lechora, we're seeing over here you're allowed to act on your own. This is, this is Dina Denavshe, right? You could have taken him to court, 
But you allow him to act on his own. What are you going to say? Is Well, he's trying to save his animal. The truth of the matter is, even if he doesn't save his animal, he's not going to have a, 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 a loss in... A, a financial loss, because if the attacking animal was a muad, a muad has to pay nezek shalem, and since a muad has to pay nezek shalem in Ali, it's not capped from the value of the ox, it's not chatzin nezek, so memela, there really is no hefsid here, right? By waiting would not create a greater hefsid to the victim, and still, what do we see? That he's allowed to act extrajudiciously because we don't hold him responsible for the death of Reuben's ox when he pulls out his own ox. So my love the muad, so aren't we discussing, it seems to be that we're discussing a muad, the lake of Seder where there is no loss to Shimon, and Shimon we see, see we give him permission to do this. The point is, he's, where do we see give him because he's not held liable for Reuben's ox. Like, says the more like this, no, who says they're talking about a muad? Maybe the case in the Bryce is a tam. Now, if it's a tam, Tom, you only get to get chatzinezek, and it's capped at the value of the scoring ox. So therefore, the longer you wait, so then in such a case, you actually are caught, you're losing, you're losing money. So therefore, it might be true that we'd see over here that you're allowed to act extrajudiciously, but maybe the only reason you're allowed to do it is because it's a tom, and it's pseid, and we say, when there's pseid, everyone holds you're allowed to do it, to eke pseid. Okay, and what's the loss? Because you're only getting 50 cents to the dollar. So the more damage that is created on your, to the bottom animal, the more you're losing. But it says, If in fact it's talking about a tam, the second half of the b'risa is going to be difficult. Now, we're going to read the second half of the b'risa and I'm going to explain to you how Tosfus, Tosfus says beautiful shot over here. Let's just read it. It says, let's say that the second half of the b'risa is talking about the Shimon again. He sees Ruben's ox is on top of his own ox. And in the Seifa, instead of pulling his ox out from under the ox of Ruben, he pushes off the ox of Ruben from his ox. And in the act of pushing him off, the ox off, the ox falls backwards and bra- breaks its neck. So, Chayev, you are Chayev. Now, Tosfos explains like this. This is what Tosfos says. This is the Havamina of the Gemara. The Havamina of the Gemara is, what's the difference if you pulled your ox from underneath where you're potter or you pushed the ox on top where you're chai? He says the difference is as follows. He says that if the ox, uh, if, if the ox, uh, you pulled your own ox out from underneath, so therefore, that's less chances that you're going to be harming the ox on top. When you push directly on the ox on top, there's greater chance you might be harming. So it says like this, if we're talking about a muad, so either way you're covered, no matter what the damage is, you're gonna get full damages. So then I understand why we make a distinction. Because since you're not pressured to try and save your money, because either way you're getting full compensation, so I understand in such a case, that uh, why it would, it would make a difference uh, whether you, you, you uh, helped with the, uh, you pulled the animal on the bottom or you pulled the animal on top because you need to do your best to preserve the, anim- the Ruben's animal because you have, no, you, you have no loss involved. If it would be a Tom though, we understand the pressure that is involved. And therefore, we understand the pressure involved, so we should not be holding you responsible when the animal is, uh, 
It, we should not hold you responsible when you push the animal on top off. We should say we give you the benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt basically is that you are under pressure trying to save yourself 50 cents to the dollar because you're only getting chatzin nezek. So therefore, why should it make a difference whether you pull the animal on the bottom or you push the animal on the top? So basically what the one is asking is, if it's muad, I understand the distinction because since you don't have a loss, so therefore in such a case, you should be more, you should have been more careful. But if we're dealing with a tom, the tom, there is a huge distinction because you, 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 uh, you, you're losing money on the, on the deal. If you're losing money on the deal, so then the point is that, why, uh, that, that then why should we hold you responsible if under pressure you didn't choose the best path to sell, help Ruben. You're focused on helping Ruben. Your, your focus is to protect your own animal and you have a loss if you don't, get, you don't do this as uh, expeditiously as possible. That's, that's the Morris question in the Avamir. That's how Tosi explains it. So Morris says like this. If you pushed off the top animal instead of pulling out the, the bottom animal, the mace and the animal died, Chayev, you're Chayev. If we're dealing with a Tom, so am I Chayev? Why should you be Chayev if we're dealing with a Tom? Right? The Chorah, that you, we should give you the benefit of the doubt, you're under pressure, and it should not be your responsibility to look for an easier way to protect. You look for a way that makes it more protecting Ruven. And the one says, no, we disagree with that. Even in a case of Muad, where you have, uh, uh, even in a case of Tom, where you have pressure to save your money, Says the The one basically is doing a, a reverse, uh, an about turn, a change in the, the havamina. The havamina was that if it's a tam, we should give you the ability to do it any way you want because you're trying to save your own money. The one says no. Even if you're trying to save your own money, you should still do it in a way that's going to cause the least amount of damage. You're going to act extra judiciously. You're doing it as a, a deputized from Basedin, then you still have to do it the way Basedin would do it. Basedin would take care not only of your own money, but also of the money of the mazik too, and therefore you don't have a right to cause a greater damage, and by pushing the top animal, you cause greater damage than if you were to pull the bottom animal, and that's why you're chayiv. So bottom line is, that it could still be talking about a tom. The only reason why it's allowed is because if he does it in the best possible way, and you have no kasha here then on Rav Yehuda, and you don't have a support on Rav Nachman, because it's talking about Malcolm Seyed, and Malcolm Seyed, everyone agrees, you're allowed to do it. Toshima, come and listen. So we say like this, you wake up in the morning and you look out the window and somebody has taken over your courtyard. He's filled up your courtyard with barrels of, or jugs of wine, jugs of oil, and now how are you supposed to get out of your courtyard? So So either way, if the Bala Chatzar is on the inside, he can break his way out, and if he's on the outside, he can break his way in. Now what the Gemara's question is as follows. The Gemara's question is that uh, the, the uh, breaking of the barrels to allow yourself out or to allow yourself in is considered to be a dan dina denav. So that's an extrajudicial, judicious uh, uh, act. And therefore, you see that you're allowed to enforce the law for himself. Even, there's not necessarily a loss in 
how come, how can we allow you to do this, especially if there is no Pseida, let's assume there is no Pseida. And when it says, oh no, in a Khanami, we don't allow you to act judiciously, you need to go to court. But this guy needs to exit to be able to go to court, or he has to enter because he has to bring proof of purchase in order to show that it's his courtyard, he's got his documents at home. That means that we do, normally we don't allow you to act extrajudiciously. All right. In this case, we're allowing it to happen not because we're allowing you to act there, because we, we want you to go to court. This is what you have to be able to do to go to court. That's why we allow you the breakage and we don't require you to pay. So that's the point over here that's being made. That 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 under normal circumstances we wouldn't allow you to break. Uh, or act in a way that's done in enough but here we have to allow it because you do want to use this to get to court or bring your proofs from court. Okay, let's go back to Toshima, come and listen. Now, we're talking about a situation over here. Somebody had an Evid Ivri, came the seven, six years up, he doesn't want to leave, a Haftiyas Adoni, a Haftiyas Ishti, he likes the Shifcha Knanis that he gave him, he likes his master, he wants to stick around, he has to stay till Yovel. Now Yovel comes, Yovel, you don't have a choice. Yovel, you have to go free. But this Evid Ivri refuses to leave. So the Adon throws him out. In the act of throwing him out, he breaks his arm. So the Chora, should he have to pay for breaking his arm, right? Now, you could argue he shouldn't have thrown him out. He should have gone to base, then and saying the guy doesn't want to leave, but he threw him out. And what we see is that he's going to be putter for breaking his arm. So you see Dan Inish Dinah person can take the law into his own hands and he's not held responsible for what he did. That's, that's the meaning, he had a right to go ahead and do it. So let's see. Toshima, come and listen. Let's say, from where do we know that if a, a nirtza, a person had his ear bored, means he passed the six years till the Yovel, and his master is urging him to leave, right? And he doesn't want to leave, and the master forces him forcefully out of the house, and caused him damage, broke his arm. Caused him damage. Potter, how do we know the master is Potter? Talmud Lomar, we learn it from an interesting source. This is a passage that's quoted by Golos. Right? It says by Golos, if somebody kills inadvertently, so he has to run to the, one of the uh, designated cities, and he's not allowed to pay his way out. You have to wait until the death of the Kohen Gadol. He's not allowed to pay. That's a redundant passage. And so the Chazal Darshan that do not take payment in the case where a person has to go back to his family. I mean, that's not about our case, where a person has to leave by the oval and refuses to leave, and because of that, he gets damaged by the, uh, the, the, the homeowner. He cannot take payment from him if his intent was to get the person to go back. So what do you see, though? You're standing in Ishtanafsheh, and there's not a Pseida here, there's no, you're, there's no Pseida involved, there's no loss involved to the master, yet we hold him ex- 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 exempt. So The case over here is talking about that he did not want to leave the Evid one more second in his domain because he's afraid the person's going to steal from him. That makes no sense. Because then why did he agree to take him past the six years? Or I mean, why has he been keeping him till now? The first time he caught him stealing, should have thrown him out. Why is this now you're worried about him stealing? Ada Ganav, right? Now, until now he didn't steal. Now he does steal. Because if he stole before, you would have thrown him out before. So why now are you worried about him stealing? So one says like this, Ada Idna Have Aim Sidirabe Ale. That until now 
He was afraid because Hitaka was subservient to the master. The master had control over him. Hitaka is free now. He doesn't want to leave the domain of the master. He likes sticking around, but he's no longer subservient because Mitzada Din did Torah. He's no longer considered the Evid of the master. Since he's not under the control of the master, now the master is afraid that he might steal and uh, without worrying about the repercussions. Now he's no longer fearful of the master, so so now he's afraid that he might steal. So therefore, that, but the fact that he's afraid that he might steal causes a situation of Seda, that there's loss involved, therefore there's loss involved, you're allowed to act extrajudiciously, and therefore you are potter when you break his arm. Rav Nagmar Yitzchak said different terrors. Now it's a whole new concept of what does it mean that there's a pseida, that you're allowed to act on an pseida. He says the situation is talking about where the Evet Kenan, the Evet Ivri was given a Knani wife, and Shivka Kananis. Again, that, that you're allowed to do, even though it's usher for a man to marry a Shivka Kananis, Losia Kadesha, but, but the, the, in the format of being an Evet Ivri, he's allowed. This guy doesn't want to leave because he wants to stay with her. But halachically now it's usher for him to stay with her because once the Yovel has come, he's now no longer an Ebed Ivri. He's no longer allowed to have relations with this woman. So therefore the Pseida involved doesn't have to necessarily be financial Pseida of the person who's done Dine Dinamshe. It's even if you're trying to protect someone from an Aveira, you're allowed to go ahead and act extrajudiciously. That's the pshat over here. That means the pseida is the loss that will occur to him. You're trying to save him from doing the wrong thing. So Gemara says as follows. So Amar, the Evet Shemasele Rabba Shivka Kananis, that he gave, had given him during his stay a Shivka Kananis. Ada Ibn Hetera, till now it was Mutter, Torah permits it. But Hash, then now it be Isura, and therefore you're allowed to act in the way you act. It's a new twist on one you're allowed to act, Dundin and Akshay, because there's a Pseida. Pseida doesn't have to be your financial loss alone. It could be that there's an Isra involved, and you're trying to stop him from being involved in the Isra. Toshima, come and listen. Hamenech es hakad rabim. Now we're going full circle to the beginning of our Perak again that we said. What do we say there? That a person had left, the owner had put a jug or a barrel in Shusar Rabim. And someone came along and tripped over it. Veshavra, and he broke it. Potter. He is considered, he is exempt from the breakage that occurred to the barrel. Now, we had the Shakotayev yesterday. It's like a Chazorah from yesterday. We had a question. Is Why is he Potter? He should have looked where he's going. Why can't we hold him? So we had four answers. The one is dealing with the first answer. I believe it was Rubber. Rubber's answer was, is that the person didn't just leave one barrel. It was wall-to-wall barrels. He put it across the whole Rishus Arabim, and therefore, you couldn't avoid tripping over it. So the Shavra Potter, Taima the Niskalbot, Mashma, because you tripped over it. That's what it says, tripping. Ha, it's Mashma, if Shavra, if you a, a, a pur- a purposely would have broken it to get a path to go through the Rishus Arabim, Chayev, then you would be Chayev. Now, Lechora, why would you be Chayev? You, you, you should say is that you didn't have a choice, and therefore, in such a case, what we should allow you to go ahead and do it. Don inish dinidanavshe. But what do you see? Is that no, you're not allowed to do it. Now, it's not clear over. You could learn that it's talking about even where there was a uh, 
a loss involved. I don't get my wares to the market, I could lose. So it's my, there could be a kasha on both opinions. If in fact there is a tzad to say, so then why is it only if you trip over it, are you potter? You should be allowed to break it. So when it's no psaid, it's a kasha on the shita, it's a kasha on Rav Nachman. When there is a psaid, it's a kasha even on Rav Yehuda. But Lamaisa, why is it mashma, mid, uh, middle of Chavches? Why is it mashma that you are potter? So Amar Abzvid, Mishmei de Rova. So Abzid said in the name of Rova uh, that the situation over here is. Uh, is really, this we had before, even though it gives you the example where the person tripped and broke the vessel, it would be potter even if he purposely broke the vessel. If he himself broke himself a path through on purpose, he'd still be potter. Now, again, in the name of Rava, even if he broke it. So therefore, why not tell the bigger Chiddush? Why not talk about a case where he broke it. Why are you giving the example of a case where he tripped over it in Rosh Hashanah Where it says like this, because it's true, breaking it on purpose would work in the ratio uh, uh, even better than tripping over it, because it tells me a bigger chiddush. But in the Sefer, you would, it has to be a case where you tripped over it. It cannot be talking about a case where you purposely broke it. What does it say in the Sefer? Because I did the Kaboy Lamitni Sefer. Since it wants to teach in the Sefer, Im that if when he tried to, when, when he tripped over it, he ended up getting damaged by the shards of the barrel, Chayev Benizko, so the owner of the barrel has to pay for the damages caused by his barrel. Now that's only true if the uh, person tripped over the barrel. But if you try purposely break it, and because of your act of breaking it, it now ended up damaging you, then how can you sue the person whose barrel it is for damages? That therefore, therefore broken on purpose does not work in the safer. Only thing that works in the pay safer is where you tripped. Therefore, since tripping is the one that works in the safer for congruency, for the symmetry of the Mishnah, we also included only the case of where you trip in the ratio as well. So Gemara says like this. So says Gemara that the Kaboy Lamitni Sefer, that if the Balachavis, if the person who tripped over got damaged, the Balachavis Chayev, the owner of the barrel is Chayev, Beniska for the damages, the Dafka Niska, that only works if he tripped. Aval Shavar, but if he purposely broke it, lo, to who has because then he causes the damage to himself. So Ketani Reisha Niska, so therefore Niska only works in the Sefer, that's why we use the case of Niska in the Reisha, but it's not for the Diuk, but if he would have broken. If he broke it, he'd be Potter as well, because again, especially if there's Pseido, so that person is allowed to act extrajudiciously on his own. Toshima, come and listen. So now we're trying to bring a raya here from the case we had yesterday. The Torah talks about where two men are fighting, a wife comes and she tries to protect her husband from getting beaten up, and she reaches out and grabs him by his privates. And the Pazak says, that we chop over her hand, then we explained what it means to chop over her hand, is she has to pay mammon. What is she paying for? She's paying for embarrassment. Right. Now, the Mora wants to know, is why can't we say, if you hold that a person is allowed to act extrajudiciously, a person's allowed to act uh, as, a, as if it's like deputized by based in, especially when there's a loss involved that everybody agrees you're allowed to do it. So why don't we give her the benefit of that doubt too? She is acting 
uh, extrajudiciously without having to wait to baste him because she's trying to prevent, prevent a loss. Who's lo- what, where's the loss she's trying to prevent? Her husband. She's trying to get her husband stuff. You can't wait until he gets his bones broken, goes right. go to base then. Yeah. So therefore, Lechora, so the Gemara says like this. The Gemara's assumption is, Lechora, why should she be chayev to pay for Boshes over there? Why should she be chayev to pay? What we should say is, Lechora, my love, are we not discussing a situation <laughs> that she could not find a, uh, a, a better way to get this guy off her husband, and therefore she chose the only, way, the only option available to her. And if you say that when there's a psa, when there's a loss involved, a person is allowed to act extrajudiciously, so why is she not allowed to do that? So one says, Lloyd, that's not the case in the Torah. You're right. If that would have been the case in the Torah, she would not have been held responsible because she has to do what she can to help save her husband. But the case was, she could have taken a frying pan and hit him over the head. She did not necessarily have to do what she did. So therefore, since she overstepped in the way she was prepping her husband, they have to look at the scenario, look at the, look no, at the situation. No, I'm saying, how do you know that it's not a figuratively speaking? Because it's embarrassing, because the Swiss no, so is bullshit. A woman getting hit by a, a man, a woman. I guess they went out of that, that, that if that it's just the normal, the normal act of trying to get the man, the, her husband saved, it's not. Any man yeah. who needs his wife to Yeah, but again, but the wording, though, it's, it's very. Right. Why would you use those words? She grabbed him by his privates. That's the expression used in the passage. All right. So when it says like, it's 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 that she had other options available, and she chose this more extreme option, and that's why she's held accountable. Because if you want to act extrajudiciously, that's fine. But then you have to do it the way Bastin would have done it, using the best option available. You don't use the best option available. You cannot say, I'm done, dinner, and I'm that doesn't allow you, and she has to pay. So what are you telling me? That you're saying, now you do agree that if this guy, right, let's say she tried three other ways and it didn't work, means this is the only option available to her, then you tell me what, then Chicago would be Petura. Then you tell me she would be exempt from having to pay the Boshes to the, the, to, 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 to the guy beating up her husband. If so, the problem is as follows. Is that there is a second half to this brysa. Now what does the second half of the brysa say? The second half of the brysa says as follows. It says like this. That, uh, that, uh, that it, 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 it all right? It says like this. It says the the yada. She stretched out her hand and grabbed the guy. So what does the bride learn? She's the one who did it. But if let's say it was a shliach based in, let's say based in had sent somebody. Guy's a sheriff, and and the and the shliach based in had done it. Then the shliach based in would be potter. So one says like this is that why do you have to jump to the case of a shliach based in? If you want to tell me a distinction, there's a case where you're chayev and there's a case where you're potter. So the way the b'raisa does it, you're chayev when she does it, you're potter when the shliach based in does it. But according to what we're saying, we don't have to schlep in a shliach based in. The way we should make the distinction is that if she had another option, she's chayevus. 
But if she had no other option, then she's Petura. So if you're going to show me the contrast, make the contrast, the distinction in the case we're dealing with. What do you have to bring the case of Ishlech based in? So because the way you want to learn right now is the only reason she is Chayevus is because she did not have a right to do what she did because she had another option. Implication is if she did not have another option, the only, then, she's, then she'll be Petura, then make that the distinction. The Chorah, the way it seems to be saying is that under all circumstances, she's Chayevus, and the only way it's Petura is if it's a Shlich based in, which then would be a Kasha on everybody because it comes out that a person's never allowed to act extrajudiciously. A person always has to go through based in, even in a case where there's a loss, i.e., her husband getting damaged over here. So Gemara says like this. So that's the one's kasha. Iachi, if so, Adatami Seifa, instead of teaching in the last part of this Braiso that it says, Veshalcha Yadu, she sent forth a hand. What do we learn from there? Pratlishlech based in to exclude when it's being done by based in. Make the distinction in the case itself that you started with. Where she had other means available to save her husband. But if there were no other means, and this is what she had to do, that's the case of Potter. What do you have to step in slip in the case of Shlich Beistin? So the Gemara answers as follows. The Gemara says very creatively. The Gemara says, no, that's exactly what we're saying. Why is she Chayevus in the first part of the Brisa and the Pasuk? Why is she Chayevus? Because she had other means. But if she did not have other means, then we would give her the status of what? Of being a shlich based in. That's how you read it. It's not that she's it's potter if it's a shlich based in. No, if she has no other means, then we say that it's, uh, it's, it's, she, has, she can act extrajudiciously in this particular <laughs> case because we deputize her to act like a shlich based in. That's the way you understand it. What's that? It's all done in a trap. Well, again, again, you have to assess it, right? Like you said, we have to know. How do you know? There was, you know, we have to, we have to look at how it goes. So Moses like this. No, that's actually what it's saying. Under what case is the woman chayevus in the pasuk? Because there were other means available. She didn't have to do the most embarrassing way to get the guy off. But if there were no other way means available to her, her hand has the status of the shlich based and it's an extension of the shlich based in upetura and then talk in such a case she would be petura. Let's go back to it. Let's try to bring another proof. Again, we had at the beginning of the uh, end of yesterday's daf a machlokas between Rav Nachman and Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda holds a person is not allowed to act extrajudiciously. You can't do on dina nafshe according to uh, Rabbi, uh according to what's his name uh, according to. Uh, uh, according to uh, Rav Nachman, a person is allowed to ex- extrajudiciously that we do have a right to do it. You are deputized, it dies, even if you could have recouped all your money from based in, you still have a right to go ahead and do it. But he said, everybody agrees when there's a loss involved and if you don't act uh, immediately, you're going to end up losing. You can't wait to get the based in. Everyone agrees that you're allowed to act extrajudiciously. You're allowed to be a vigilante that based in will allow you to do. We said, the explanation is you become like an agent of the courts. All right. So it says the more like this. <clears throat> Toshima, come and listen. Situation is as follows. Is that person owns a, owns a property and there's an easement, meaning like this, for, for many years, based in have been using, uh, and, uh, the, the public have been using the shortcut to be able to get through his field, 
right? A shortcut through Shul. Right? Used to be a there's like you go through someone's backyard, you can get to the Shul. And everyone's been doing it. So the halach is, that has a legal uh, ramification. Once it's been created by the rabbin, right, the owner can't show up anymore and say, uh-uh, I'm locking the gate. You can't do that. But what happened over here was, is that it was getting out of hand and his crops were getting damaged. He was ending up losing. So he said like this, you know what? All I'm going to do is I'm going to give them another path. I'm going to go to the side of my field and let them use a shortcut from the side of my field. So this way I won't end up getting damaged. Right? That's the case. So like this. There was an easement that was being used by the rabbin cutting through his field. Not law. So he, he seized it back. Means he took back that easement to make it part of his property again. But and he gave them another path on the side. So the, the result of this is a strange result. Is that the new path that he gave is now considered to be a second easement. No, he can't take it back. And the original path does not become his. Right? Wow. So Gemara wants to know what's going on over here. Gemara says like this. Now, clearly, this is a situation where there is damage involved. Right? You can't go sue the robin for crops. You're not going to get your money from... So they, and therefore, so it should be according to everybody, you should be allowed to act extrajudiciously, and therefore we should allow the person to go ahead and uh, move it around. Move, move it. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. If you hold that a person has a right to go ahead and act uh, on his own, be a vigilante, you should be allowed to do it, especially in this case where there is a hefzit involved. It, it doesn't sound like it's his, it's his property. Why are you calling him a vigilante? Right. Well, I mean, because he's trying to take away something that now the rabbin has, okay. as, as, as have been, have been, have a chazaka in. Sigmar says like this. So when I say like this, Lincoln Pazra, he should be able to take a stick, Velasive, and stand by the old easement and say, you come through here at your own risk. We should allow him to do that. Why are you now dinging him? He's not able to do that. So We're afraid over here that if you allow, technically it could be, especially when there's loss involved, you do allow a person to act extrajudiciously. But we're afraid that the path that he might give is a crooked path. Now what does it mean? Meaning that he's not actually, it's not apples to apples. He's giving them something that's much more difficult to traverse than the original path. So therefore, if we know for sure the person's going to do apples to apples, straight up, it's okay, might be okay. But in this case, we're really concerned that that's not what might happen. That's why we don't allow it. The case is talking about, means if he, if he could prove that he actually did the right thing, and it's no difference, then maybe we'd even let it stand. He says the case over here that we're talking about is that it actually, he did the wrong thing, he gave them a much more um, windy path, and that's why over here the result is what the result is. Rav Ashi Amar, call me not At any time you say, I'll do it on the side. Doing it on the side, by definition, is giving them a longer path, because obviously there are people that were much closer 
in terms of using it. So you are making people go out of the way. So either way, it's three different answers. Either because we're concerned he's going to give them a longer way to get across, or it's that he did give them a lot wrong place, or any time you're moving it to the side is at least for certain people going to be longer than what they had before, and therefore that's why we don't allow it to work. But under normal circumstances, a person is allowed to act extrajudiciously where we are not concerned that he's not going to act in a, uh, in, in, in a way that is not fair. So Morris says like this. So anyway, so Morris says like this. He said, because it's because by moving to the side, you made it closer to one party, but you made it further away from the other party, so automatically that's considered to be not a fair move. So Morris says like this. Okay, I understand. So he had no right, we don't give him the rights to do it. But therefore what should happen is, Right? What should happen is the old easement should remain the old easement. But why does he also lose the new path? Right. So, now the Girsa of Tosfas is different than our Gemara because he changes it to fit what, what, our, what the question really should be. The wording seems to be saying, why does he not get the original path? That's not the question. The question is not why he doesn't get the original path. The question is, the right Girsa is, is that why is it that Masha Nasan Nasan? Why is it that what was given is given? Why is the new path not go back to him? That's the right question. Not why should the original path not be his, but not why. That's, so therefore, that, that's, that's really what the Gemara means to ask. So it tells us to make the words fit better in the word. Now, anyway, so therefore, Lehmalahu, Shakula Didcha, why doesn't he have a right to say, fine, take back what was yours? And give me back my easement. Give me back the new easement. Gemara says like this because here we have a problem. Mishum de Rav Yehuda, to Am Rav Yehuda, If you have a boundary or a, a path, an easement that was already seized by the Rabbin, if they have started using it, you don't have a right to come take it back. So therefore, that's the problem of it. He was his own worst enemy. Mean like this. I guess if it would have been right away, right away then they never started using it, then maybe he could have taken it back. Once he allowed them to use the second easement as well, then you have the rule that once the public have taken on an easement, I don't know how it is in today's law, you know, but, but if you don't stop right away and it's become public usage, you cannot go ahead and stop them even on the second path from taking it. So therefore, also Lekaukala, you cannot uh, destroy it, you cannot remove them from using that second easement. All right, let's go Vaita. Tasha might come and listen. So again, we're trying to bring Raya's uh, one way or the other. So let's see how we, what we're learning here. So the case over here is as follows. Tashima. Guy owns a, a, uh, a field, all right? And uh, in his mind, he says, this is going to be the, 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 the corner of the field that I'm going to let the Aniyam use for Peah. He's mine. That's what, right? Now what happened was, Mitzat Echa was on one side. Ubo Aniyam, but not Mitzat Acha. The problem is that the poor people had their own intentions and they took the Peah from a different corner. All right? Now, the simple reason is both of them become payer. Now, the one says that very difficult to understand. What do you mean they're both considered to be payer? The Torah only requires you to give payer 
on one, on one corner. So therefore, what he should be allowed to do is, and say is, okay, you know what? Uh, so then if you tell me that a person can act without even having to go to Beistin, he can act on his, on his own, so then what he should be allowed to do in this particular case, take a stick, and he should say is, this is the corner that you can use for peya, and stop them from using another corner. So that's more like this. So they want to ask as well. So my zev is a peya. Linkud pazer again. Let it. Or linkud pizra. Let him take a stick. The lasiv and let him sit, right? Uh, and, and and stop them from taking. Now the way the Rashi seems to say, meaning, okay, you want to have that your corner. Then take it. That's fine. But you don't have a right to come back. And also take the corner that I originally got. I, could start, I should be able to stop you from doing it, right? That's, and that's upsetter. It's going to cost me a lot because I end up having to give more payoff than the Torah mandates. So I'm a rubber. So rubber said, no, no, we, we don't understand what's going on here correctly. What it means is as follows. Of course, you can stop Aniyam taking for more than they're allowed to take. Aniyam can't take more for payoff than they're allowed to take. They can't overstate them. Balance. Fine, understood. However, so what's the shot? Shot is like this. Once you've made it payo, designated as payo, that's like a form of hefker. Now, when the Aniyam decided that they don't want to take that corner, they, diff- they took a different corner, that doesn't allow them to go back and take it. What it means that it's considered payo, it's considered like an item that became hefker that now you take back. When you take something from Hefker, you're potter from Meiser. That's what it means. They both considered Peya. They both considered to have had the status of Peya in terms of that they were no longer in your domain. Now, the, 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 the one that they actually took that's not in your domain at all, that they took. But the one that you had declared Peya is considered to have been out of your domain when you designated it. But now that you go reclaim it, we look at it as if there was a designation of Peya on it because that's what you had said. And what does that help you? The fact that there had been Peya on it. The fact that you designated Peya makes it like it was Hefker that you now reclaimed and therefore you're potter from giving Meiser because there is no Din Meiser on Hefker. That's what it means. We're going to see that the Moses says that some people used to have that shtick. To try and avoid... I'm sure people did. It was the loophole, right? Oh, before they go to bed at night, I'm after all my field. Next morning, gets, comes there, Nates, he gets the first one there, reclaim all my field, and now he's putter from Meissen, right? That's a, a tax loophole, all right? Uh, yeah, sure. right. Tax loophole. So Tashim and Moise is like this. And Moise says, no, no, no. What does it mean? Meissen is a payer. Le patron mina It means to exempt them from Meissen. That's all it means. What it says, can it sign like a lunt and a brysa? Hifker is karmo. The person before, I mean, before uh, at night, he went and he was made hefker his vineyard. Vehishkim baboyker, and he gets up very early in the morning. Uvet sorrow, and then he harvests it. He takes it back, right? Chaya veperet oilaz shivcha vepeya. There's certain matnusaniyam, which is peret, peret to any of the loose gra- grapes that fall. And olalos are those clusters that don't form like a V. Or shirecha, or certain of the branches that he forgot, or peya, or the corner of the of, of a vineyard you're supposed to leave for the aniyim. Those, even though it's hefker, because you took it back and you took it back, there's 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 a custom that it doesn't help. You still have to go back and give those peret shivolos shirecha and peya. Based on sukkim, you have to give it back. But what it does help for, 
the loophole has been created for Meiser. Because Meiser, once it became Hefker and you take it back, you don't have to give Meiser. That will help you. And so too in our case, when we said that it's Peya, Peya means though it had the status of Hefker, that now when you take it back, the Anim can't demand it back anymore because they already took their Peya from a different corner. But it does help you, your designation of having made a Peya slash Hefker will help that you don't have to give Meiser from that corner. Let's go weiter. This is one of the main sugyas in Baba Kama. Okay, we're going to read a Mishnah that is going to be a little bit uh, con- uh, un- unclear as to what the damage involved is, and then it's going to be a huge machlokas Rav and Shmuel, then completely two different shots in how to read the Mishnah. Let's read the Mishnah. Zogdei the Mishnah. Nishbara Kadabra Shusa Rabim. Someone's pitcher, someone's jug broke in the Shusa Rabim, right? And someone slipped in the water. Oshalach Bechasis, or he was da- damaged by the shards of the jug, Chayev, the owner of the pitcher, is Chayev. Now, what is he Chayev under which of the Nezokin that's going to be subject to debate? We'll get to that. Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, B'meskaven Chayev. If the owner of the pitcher had Kavona, he's Chayev. B'ein Meskaven, he does not have Kavona, he's Potter. Now, that second half, we're going to wait till tomorrow's daft to understand. Now, let's start with Rav. I'm Rabbi Yehuda, I'm a Rav. Rav was a Talmud of, uh, Rabbi Yehuda was a Talmud of Rav before Rav passed away. After Rav passed away, where did Rabbi Yehuda go? He went to the base Medrash of Shmuel. So first, he was a Talmud by Rav. So he says like this, when I was learning by Rav, I'm Rabbi Yehuda, I'm a Rav, he said, Lo shana ella shetin The Mishnah is talking about specifically what is the damage involved in the case of the water, where you slipped on the water. It's not that you slipped and hurt yourself from the ground. That's not the case, is you slipped and your clothing got damaged. It was your clothing got damaged from the water. That's the case we're dealing with over here. Shatin for Kalev B'mayim. Avalhu Atmo, but the person himself that by slipping and now hurting himself from the ground, he will be potter. Why is he potter? Because karka olam, because the ground is considered to be an ownerless, it's not your ground. Your ground, that's an indirect. Your, uh, your water caused him to slip, that's in, indirect. We cannot hold you responsible. He was damaged by the ground and he is going to be potter. Now here we have a huge machlokas, Rav and Shmuel, in two aspects we're going to be focusing on. Let's focus on right now. Number one, according to Rav, the, when the Torah says you're obligated to pay for bor, when you're obligated to pay for bor, it is referring to what happens when, when something falls into a bore and breaks. It's talking about specifically that you created a, like a toxic air. It's called hevel. You create some kind of toxic air in the bore, and that's what you're chayev. But for, that's called from the hevel. But the chavata, where the, the impact from the ground that is, causes the damage, you are not chayev because the ground is not yours. And if the ground is not yours, you're not chayev, that's an indirect damage. So basically what we're saying is like this. Number one, the damage of bor is from hevel and not from chavota, not from the ground. Number two, he holds that the only time you're chayev in bor is where the bor is not yours, right? But let's say you dug the bor in your backyard, 
right? And you just were mafkir the area around the boar, but the boar is still considered yours, that's not going to be a chiyuv of boar. Boar is only when it's hefker. When it's not hefker, when you own it, that's not considered the damage of boar. Then it's considered your mamon damage, just like shore. That falls more under shore. So therefore, if you don't own it, then it's considered boar. If you do own it, then it's not considered, it's not considered to be a boar, then it falls under the category of shore. So far so good. Now, let's analyze this for a moment. One of the uh, exemptions of boar is that boar is not chayv and kalim. Boar is not chayv and kalim. Kalim fall into a boar and break, you're not chayv. Shore, on the other hand, you're chayv. So therefore, the way Rav learns this Mishnah over here, he says it's talking about that it was somebody's pitcher, somebody's pitcher, somebody's water that broke and, you, and, 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 and someone slipped in it and got damaged. This cannot fall under bar, says Rav, because if it belongs to somebody, it can't fall under the parameters of bar. What it could fall under the parameters is of shore. Now, if it's gonna fall under the parameters of shore, now we have to understand. So therefore, you could, you could have kalim could be chayim. A person's clothing can be chayim, but it's gonna be called, the, the damage is what's caused by the water, not what's caused by the ground. According to Rav, there's no chayim by what's caused by the ground. Not in boar, not in shore, because it's never the, it's either the toxic air of the boar, right? That's gonna be high of you, or if you own the ground. If you don't own the ground, then you're not gonna be high of, not for boar, not for shore. So what's the damage that you're paying for over here? You have to be talking about that, it could be talking about the clothing. The clothing or his vessels are damaged by the water. Because since it's not boar, it falls under the category of shore. Sure, there is a din of kalim. Now, on the case of the shards, since you own the shards, the person who owned the picture owns the shards, so therefore that's also like mama namazik, that's also under shore. So therefore, that's how, so, so basically the way Rav learned the Mishnah, we're not talking about a case of bor, we're really talking about more like a case of shore. It's like a case of your mamon that's being mazik somebody. That's the way Rav learned this. So now, so again, that's why who wants more, but it would be the person himself getting damaged on the ground, we potter. Because Karka Olam is he cut to because he's being damaged for the ground, and the ground does not, you're not high for damage from the ground. That's considered indirect. When I went and told this, when Shmuel Rav died, and then Yehuda went to the yeshiva of Shmuel, he says, Amar Li. He said like this, I don't agree with that. Again, Mehti, let's see. Avno Vesakino Umasau. That a case of a person's stone, or a person's knife, or a person's package, right? We see that as a tolda, as a derivative of the case of bor, right? And therefore, if anyone leaves one of these hazards in Rishus Rabim and somebody gets hurt, it falls under the case of bor. And then all these cases says Shmuel, I would apply the din, Adam, that you only chayev uh, if a shor falls into, this is a pasuk by Bor, if a shor falls into the pit and dies, Velo Adam, the person, the din of kofer, if a person falls in and dies, the case over there is talking about where the animal died, only if the animal dies are you chayev, if a person dies, you're not chayev to pay kofer, if a person gets damaged, you would be chayev, but for the death of a person, you're not held responsible if falls into a bor, and Hamar, what do you learn from the extra word Hamar? It says a shor fell in or a Hamar fell in, below Kalim. And the Allah, the Chachamim learned, you don't chive on vessels. Memela, 
Therefore, uh, uh, so therefore, Hanamili Nikatola. Now again, that, that exemption is talking about where, it got, where, where there's death involved. I mean, a person, it's death. Vessels is always considered like death. The breaking of vessels is considered like killing the vessel. So therefore, it doesn't apply by the death of a person. It doesn't apply by breakage of vessels. Right? Now, but if a person gets hurt and not dies, a person falls into a pit and gets hurt and doesn't die, so your person, the owner of the pit will be chayef to pay for the damage, but the vessel is getting broken, you'll be peturim. Now, what's the point over here? Since a hazard created by somebody in Rosh Hashanah, according to Shmuel, falls under, not under shore, but fall, does fall under bore. Therefore, when our Mishnah says that if you left the jug and the jug broke and somebody trips on it, right, you would not be hired for his clothing. Why wouldn't you be hired for his clothing? Because that's Kalim. Kalim, there's no din of bore. According to Shmuel, it's a case of bore. Therefore, you are hired if the ground under the water, because specifically under the water, that's a bore. So the bore, you hired, according to Shmuel, you hired not just for the toxic uh, uh, air, but you also hired for the smashing of the ground. Ah, it's not your ground. That's the Chiddush. Doesn't have to be your ground. It could be your ground. Shmuel holds like this. He disagrees with Rav in both cases. It's not just from the ground. It's, it's not just from the air. It's from the ground and number two even if you own the ground you're high even if you own it still it falls under bar so if it falls under bar and not under shore it can't be talking about the damage to the clothing over here because the damage to the clothing there is no dinner kalim on board so what must the case be the case must be that the guy slipped and where was the damage incurred from smashing onto the ground under the water or the shards damaging him, but that all fits under bore. It cannot be referring to Kalim. That is the machlokus. So therefore it comes out like this. So basically, <laughs> what, 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 what the point that Shmuel's making is that we find that, I guess it's a Bryce somewhere, that a derivative of bore is leaving your stone, your, 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 your items in Rosh Hashanah and someone getting hurt. And that's considered to be bore as well, which means Shmuel takes it, it means if you, even if you own it, even if you own the item, it's still considered bore. So in our Mishnah, with a jug and the water you still own, right, we'll see how do we know something, not too much case of Hefker, but when you still own it, you, you're chai for bore. Rav says, no, you're not chai for bore, that's sure, if you own it, that's sure. I, how does Rav deal with the fact that Shmuel said we have a brysa somewhere that teaches you that stone and uh, that knife and your stone and your packages, you're chayiv. So the way Rav learns it, that's talking about your chayiv for bore in those cases because you were mafkirit. If you are mafkirit, then it falls under the category of bore. But if you still own it, according to Rav, it's not under bore. That's more comparable to mamanamazik. That's like shor. That's not like bore. That's the way Rav explains it. So Rav says, what about that brysa? That's where you're mafkirit. I.e., in our case in the Mishnah, where you were not mafkirit, it's considered mamon. It's like shor hamazik, and therefore you could be chayv and kalim, and you will not be chayv from the ground that damages because according to Rav, you're never chai on the ground. The damage is not for bore, not for mammon, but you are chai for kalim. I kalim is not a case of bore. Uh, it's not chai when there's bore. This is not bore. This is mammon amazik. Okay, so we have here a huge machlokus between Rav and Shmuel. According to Rav, if somebody left a, an, a hazard in the Meshusa Rabbim and he still owns it, 
and somebody gets hurt by it, that's not under bore. According to Rav, that's under Shor. According to Shmuel, if somebody gets hurt by it, that's considered under bore as well. That's under bore. Now, what's going to be the difference? Let's say it's his vessels that get broken. If his vessels get broken, if it's under shore, you're high on vessels. If his vessels get broken, it's under bore, you're not high on vessels. That'll be one example, one difference that, that you're high. But the other difference is going to be, let's say he hurts himself on the ground. He trips and falls right where. So therefore, according to Rav, you're going to be high. Uh, you'll, you'll be potter. For ground, you're not high. According to Shmuel, if it's bar, you are high for the ground hurting you. So that'll be another Navkamina. So Masi Rav Oishir. Rav has the following question from the following Brysa. It says, Again, the posse we dealt before, that into the bar fell an ox or a donkey. What does the Brysa say? That is shor and not an adam. That's uh, not if a man dies in the pit. Only a shore dies in the pit, and chamor, and if an ox, a donkey falls in, but not if vessels break in the pit. Mikan Amru, from here we learn, not fall a socha shore. If a shore fell into, an ox fell into a pit, and it had on him utensils that were strapped, attached to him, that fell and broke. Or a donkey fell in and the vessels that he was carrying, it lends itself, I think Raja, to, to being torn, got torn, got damaged. You only have the because there's a tour on Kalim in Bor. Now, Halamazadoma continues the Bryson. What is this comparable to? All right. What to what is this comparable? This is comparable to a case where you put your stone, you put your knife, you put your package in Shusa Rabin, and it went out and damaged. So Moses says that the language of the bride is not correct. That the case of bore is not similar to the case of putting a hazard in Shusa Rabin. It's the other way around. The case of a hazard in Shusa Rabin is derived from the case of bore. So Adarabah, just fixing the wording here, it should say, to what is this compared to? To what can we, uh, uh, says like this, what you, the, the way it writes it, it should have said, what is comparable to this? Not to what is this comparable. What is comparable to the case of Bor? The told of that is where you put a hazard of Shusarabim. Ella ma domelazes. So that's what you say. What is compared to this? Avnos akino masosh and ichbrish is a rabbin vehiziku. Lefichach. Therefore, the brayso continues that im hitiacho itiach tzuchiso ba'evan. Somebody left a stone or just a rabbin, and your flask got broken on this stone. Chayev, the owner of the stone, is going to be liable for the breakage of the vessel. Now, the Mora points out over here that there's two halves to the Brysa. The Reish is Kashal Rav. The first half of the Brysa is difficult for Rav because the first half of the Brysa implies that if you left something that you own in Rishusa Rabim, it falls under the category of Bor. According to Rav, if you own it, it's sure, it's not Bor. So the Reish is Kashal Rav. The second half of the Brysa is that uh, when, when a, a stone breaks the jug, when the person falls and breaks the jug on the stone, so it's Kashal Shmuel because if it is Bor, then Boris should be not Dean of Kalin. So, so we have a, a contradiction between the Reisha and the Sefer. Sigmar says, one second, but the Bryce itself then is, in, is inconsistent. There's a contradiction within the Bryce. According to your reasoning, this Bryce itself is difficult. Why? Because Reisha says, Potter on Kalin by Bor. And the Sefer says, when you trip and you fall against the stone, it says, you're chive on the flask. 
So Reisha says you're part of a kalim, and Sefer says you're chayiv. So Ella, Rav metals the tamei, and Shmuel metals the tamei. Rav and Shmuel will each explain this according to their own reasoning. Rav metals the tamei. How does Rav explain this? He says When is it bore by Avna Sakina Masa where you're mafkirit? If you're mafkirit, then it's bore. Avaloifkir on the Sefer says when you didn't mafkir, then someone trips and smashes against it, then you'll be chayiv on the kalim because then it's sure. He smashed his flask by heaven against the stone. Shmuel will explain according to his reasoning. It says like this. The way you have to learn according to Shmuel is like this. Is that hashta de amat? Now that you say that avnas akino maso, whether you own it, you don't own it, doesn't have to be hefker, is considered like bor, then you have to throw this in. Rabbi Yehuda disagrees with Chachamim. He says you're chayv on kalim of bor. So that second half of the bride is going like Rabbi Yehuda. Since you hold Avna Sagina Maso is bor, and that's why your pots are according to Chachamim, so therefore Kabara Dami, so Rabbi Yehuda, who is Machayev al Nizka Kalim in a case of bor, the Ficha Chitiach Tsuchiso, the Evan, if you would trip and then smash your jug against this stone, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you'll be Chayev, because he's Machayev and Kalim on bor. That's how you're going to have to reason. Just tell me what's Rachel's and say for Okay, John, we'll stop over here. We'll go over a little bit, a little confusing.